I don't know of a person who uh, does not like wasted things. Um, I think there's two pet peeves that everyone has, uh, no matter where they live in the world. They don't want people to waste their time. They don't want things to waste their time. And they don't want people to waste their money. They don't want things to waste their money. Does that sound true? Have you ever told, thought someone, this better not be a waste of my time, or this better not be a waste of my money? Is that true? Do you kind of feel that? Is that, that true of you? That's certainly true of me. Um, the challenge is some of those things are subjective, of course. So, uh, what are some examples of some things that would waste our time? Uh, we want to give you a chance to write out some answers in chat if you're participating online. So, get uh, ready for that. What are some things that waste our time? And we're also going to give you an opportunity to share here. So, shout out some answers. What are some things that waste our time? Bad movies. Bad movies. Oh! Oh, bad movies. Uh, the worst is when you are in the theater and you think, I really just want to walk out, but I paid so much for this popcorn and, and the ticket and the drink. You're just like, if I eat the popcorn fast, can I leave partway through? Have any of you ever left a movie theater because the movie is so bad? Absolutely. I have done that. There's been one movie, and one movie out of all my life, you can ask me afterwards, or, or message me, or uh, ask me after the service if you're in person, what was that movie, I'll be glad to tell you, but there's only one movie that I've ever walked out of, because even if it's horrible, I'm going to sit through it because I paid all of that money, and it's actually both, right? I don't want to waste my money afterwards. At least with a bad movie at home, do you know what I can do? Click. <laughs> Right? And you can go watch something else. You can go find something else. Uh, what else? What are some other ways that, uh, we, that our time is wasted? What are some examples? Yep. Oh, going to the DMV. Oh, it feels like that is the stereotypical example of poor customer service, Right? Please take a number, and you take a number, and it's in the triple digits. So you take that number, and then they say, four, five, and you look around, there's like 10 people or 20 people, and that's it, but six, and then someone goes on break, right? I mean, you know, any, any answers, examples from uh, the ways that we've experienced the wasting of time from our online service? Oh, bad meals at a restaurant. Mmm. Yes. Will said shoveling snow. Amen. That's why Will's one of our elders, a spiritual leader for that kind of an insight. It feels like a waste of time, uh, especially when it's really sh snowing here in Rochester. Or uh, if you get a lot of snow wherever you live, you shovel a path and you turn around and have to shovel your way back. I mean, that feels like that's what happens from time to time. Any other examples from online? Any other examples of wasting time uh, here in the room? Yes. Oh, right. You take, you take a guess. Um, the, the answer was that you, you fix something, and then uh, it turns out that the thing that you fixed didn't really matter. It was actually something else that was broken. I have that problem all the time, and that's why I usually just start with, I'm either going to waste my time 
or waste my money, and I'd rather waste my money so that I have the time, and so I end up paying an expert to come and, and fix things. So that's, that's examples of wasting time. How about wasting money? What are some examples of wasting money? Now, here's the, you have to be really careful with this one because you may say something where someone else in the room thinks, that's one of my favorite things. That's not a waste of money. Why are they, why are they attacking my faith? Jesus, come early. Right? Like, not that, that's not what we mean. That's not what we're, we're asking. So when you share, here's, here's what I think are some examples of wasting money. One, if that's one of the things that you do, don't feel attacked, but just think, okay, I, I get that. Maybe it's kind of a, a preference thing. But two, if you're saying something uh, is a waste of money, don't name names. <laughs> don't, don't say, yeah, my, uh, my friend at work, you know, they waste money by doing this. Don't, don't say names. So give me some examples of wasted money. Food. Um, Right. You take a risk on something at the grocery store. You think that might taste good. And then you take it home and said, nope, we proved that it doesn't. Uh, you give it to the dog and the dog walks away from the, the treat. I think another way you waste food too is sometimes you buy something with the intention of using it and then you forget that you have it. And so you kind of like lettuce or something, maybe some fresh fruit and vegetables, and you think, I'm going to make this great salad. And then three weeks later, you think, I made some great penicillin. So that happens. What about online? What are some examples of wasted money? We'll come back to online. Any examples of wasted money? Rob. Sorry, say that again. Got you. So letting your car idle if you're stuck in traffic or if you're uh, waiting for something to, uh, like a train to cross the tracks so that the traffic can go through again. Absolutely. Um, uh, that is one thing, you know, you just feel like, oh man, this gas. I'm just losing all of this gas. I should just shut off my car so I'm saving that. And you got to, you got to kind of, uh, trade that off with it's also below zero how long until my i get cold again and i have to start it up and heat the car so good example anything online getting the newspaper is a waste of money now that's an interesting one i hadn't thought of that uh give us a little bit more detail on why getting the newspaper is a waste of money for whoever uh typed that in online thank you for that uh submission because maybe it is i'm i'm just not sure so help me with that what do you guys think any other examples of how you waste money? Christmas lights that don't last very long. <laughs> Absolutely. You put them away so carefully, they worked all winter. You put them back in the box or the bag or, or the bin where you store all your Christmas uh, things, and then you pull them all out, and what happens? Half of them work. Like, what happened when they were in storage that one time? Did they just turn on and burn themselves out that whole time? Who knows? Uh, any, any further description on why buying a newspaper is a waste of time? Okay, we're reloading it, so we'll come back. Any, one more, one more from in here. What's a waste of money? Oh, insurance. That's a big one. 
As a matter of fact, if you were to Google what people waste money on the most, one of the biggest things that people waste money on the most is buying too much insurance. Insurance people know what they're doing, and there's, uh, there's all sorts of opinions on how many different types of insurance you might need, whether you need term, whether you need whole life insurance, all of those things. What do you need for your car insurance? Do we need, you know, all of those things and all of those factors. It's tough to navigate to make sure that you're not spending too much money. Coming back to online, one last time. Oh, absolutely. So you buy a newspaper. When do you have time to read it? How many of you have ever gotten the newspaper delivered? You sign up for a weekly subscription or a daily subscription, and the only thing you do is that it kind of piles up in the same spot for a little bit, and you either use it as something to start a fire or it goes directly into the recycling bin. Has that ever happened to you with a newspaper? How about a magazine? Same type of thing. Magazines, you have some magazine subscriptions, and you just automatically toss them out. Now, I'm with that. Some examples for me of um, wasted time are meetings that could have been an email, right? Meetings that could have been an email. Now, I'm okay with meetings that could have been an email if the team culture is also including a personal, almost pastoral element. So it's not just always business, always productivity, always results all the time, but you're able to meet with people and say, hey, how are you doing? Not just in your job, but life. How's the family? How are things? Maybe, you know, uh, take a few extra minutes to support each other and pray each other. I love those team cultures. But if it's always just always business and I'm always viewed as a cog in the machine, okay, but don't waste my time with making something that we're not trying to collaborate on. You just need to tell me information. Give it to me in an email so I have it in writing, right? Amen? Can we get an amen on that? Hope so. How about... I think an example of wasted time is getting caught up in the 24-7 news cycle. I think that's an example of a waste of time. That could be someone who just sits down and watches the Weather Channel 24-7. Here's the thing about the Weather Channel. If you turn it off, there's still going to be weather somewhere. And... Just like the 24-7 news channels that focus on here's the current crisis and here's the current thing that you need to be alarmed about, if you turn it off and come back, I guarantee you there's going to be something else that you can be alarmed about later. It's guaranteed. So there's times when you can turn off that 24-7 news cycle and stop being alarmed at everything all the time and come back and be alarmed later if that's what you'd like to do. For me, examples of wasted money... I'll give you one more. Unused gym memberships. It's this time of year when people are thinking, I need to get back to the gym. I need to get into shape and buff like Pastor Brian. I don't know why you laugh every time I say that. That's very odd. And then about the 20th or the 28th, you realize... What an absolute waste this was. Maybe you even get to February or March before you realize, you know what? I haven't gone for the last eight weeks. I'm going to cancel this thing. This was a waste of time and then, or a waste of money. And then you discover that trying to cancel your gym membership is like trying to navigate and understand and read about insurance, right? Absolutely true. Now, 
I think it's interesting to note that when it comes to waste of time and waste of money, like we said, things, those things are subjective. And I think if you were to compare the two, I think that money, wasting money is more subjective to each person than wasting time. I think those are more cultural things, but wasting money is individual things. Let me give you some examples. Is it a waste to spend thousands of dollars on an engagement ring? Is it a waste to spend tens of thousands of dollars on a car? Is it a waste to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on a home? Is it a waste to spend millions of dollars on a valuable painting or a rare artifact? See, one person's waste, that's another's person's wise investment, right? One person's waste is another person's wise investment. So, how do we know when an expenditure or a purchase is a wise investment? That's a question that I think Jesus and his disciples needed to talk about one day. When is something a waste and when is something a wise expenditure? I'd love to show you what Jesus and his disciples learned in Mark chapter 14. If you have a Bible with you, turn with me in them to Mark chapter 14. If you need to run and grab a Bible so you can follow along or open up another tab uh, on your phone or uh, grab your Bible, go ahead and do that. Uh, We're continuing in the Gospel of Mark, and it's such a short little passage Uh, What we've done today is we don't have the verses to be put on the screen or or on your screen. I would love for you to follow along. If you don't have a Bible, though, uh, then just listen to what happens in Mark chapter 14 at the weirdest little dinner party. In verse 3, we read that while he, while Jesus was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, A woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Has anything like that happened to you? Has that ever happened? Maybe someone's accidentally poured a drink on you, but not intentionally. I hope not intentionally. But imagine if you were there, what that would have been like. You're enjoying uh, the party, Jesus is there, he's reclining, it's at the home of, of Simon the leper, which I think is pretty neat. And then all of a sudden this woman comes in and takes this expensive jar of perfume, uh, opens the lid or breaks the jar and just anoints him with this perfume, the entire bottle. What would that have been like? What would you have noticed? What would you have noticed? What's the, what's the point of perfume? The scent. Do you think an entire bottle of perfume would have gone noticed in the room? In the home? Right? I mean, just think of how far a little bit of the scent goes. Uh, my wife and I both like Yankee Candle. 
Do you know what Yankee Candle is? Um, if you don't, we recommend going and finding a Yankee Candle, finding one that you like, and bringing it home. Uh, I think Krista likes it more than I do, but um, uh, the amazing thing about Yankee Candle is that you can go into the store and all of the candles have these just really thick sealed lids and on, the, on the jars, right? But when you open it up, you experience one of two sensations. You either really hate it and just think, oh, oh, why would anyone ever? Then you put the lid back on and you just, you know, never want to talk about that candle again. Or you find a scent that you think, I need a basket because I'm going to buy all of them and I'm going to put them all over my home and light them at the same time, right? That's what this woman does. And she comes with a really expensive perfume so everyone notices it. But what's interesting to me is that that's not what everyone talked about. Not the beautiful scent of the perfume that she anointed Jesus with. As a matter of fact, they noticed something else. Because we read in verse 4 that some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Well, that would certainly change the tone of the party, right? Everyone there thought that it was a waste. What was the, the cost? It was a day's wages, right? Or a year's wages, which is literally a 300 denarii. How much is that? We don't have denarii. I don't have any denarii. We don't take denarii as part of our offering. Um, so how much is a denarii? Thankfully, uh, my friends at Crosstalk Global, where I'm an instructor, they were recently talking about this passage and they did some research and shared on their podcast, um, which I would highly recommend that you give a listen to on a weekly basis. You can find it at crosstalkpodcast.com. It's 30 minutes of your time and I guarantee you will enjoy it. They shared an understanding of how much this perfume actually cost. In the Gospels, they said, both Matthew and John refer to the denarius, one denarius, as a day's wage. And historians clarify that this was a day's wage for a skilled worker. So, let's convert the cost of what it would be in the United States today. Would you uh, consider a registered nurse to be a skilled worker? Yes? No? Absolutely. Um, I could not do what they do, so let's call them skilled. The national average salary for nurses all across the U.S., the national average salary is $300 a day. Now, since the skilled worker in New Testament times worked 300 days a year, in today's dollars, if we do all of the math, the value of the perfume that this unnamed woman poured on Jesus' head was $90,000. Let's just put that into context. If you thought that the sermon was really good today, 
would you go buy $90,000 of perfume and cologne and pour it on the preacher's head? <laughs> would you do that? Kind of hope not. I don't know many people would. I don't know of anyone who would. And it also begs the question, why does this woman have perfume this expensive, doesn't it? Well, again, the Crosstalk podcast and my friends who speak on that podcast came to the rescue on this. Um, because in those days, there's no 401k. There's no stocks. There's no mutual funds. There's no investments for which you can retire with. But they did have an investment strategy. And the, uh, that investment strategy back then was not to invest in stocks and mutual funds, but in things. They would invest in things that wouldn't lose value, but would hopefully become more valuable. They would invest in rugs. They would invest in, in fine linens. They would invest in bottles of wine, which we know and understand today that really rare bottles of wine can go for thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. This was her retirement fund. This was her future, and she poured it on Jesus' head. And not everybody thought this was a good idea, right? They began to rebuke her harshly. Now again, I come back to that same question. If that's your retirement fund, would you pour that on the preacher's head? Just be honest with yourself. You don't have to raise your hand, just... Don't have to say anything uh, in chat. Just consider, would you do that? So what is this woman doing? What does she know that we don't? Can you help me? Where is this? Uh, what's that? Interesting. Where is this party being held? What does the text tell us? Which is why we're opening our Bibles today. Where is the party? Whose home are we at? Simon the leper. Wait, how do lepers have parties? Something's happened to him, right? He's been healed. Who's he been healed by? He doesn't have leprosy anymore. Why? Because Jesus has healed him. And so this is this party. And what was Jesus doing before the party? What do we know from the earlier chapters of Mark? This is one of the challenges, I think, of going through an entire book of the Bible and only looking at it every Sunday. We don't get to see the, the larger context. But what's been happening in Jesus' life? He's come into Jerusalem with the triumphant entry, right? The triumphal entry. He is declaring himself to be the Messiah. He has gone to the temple and he's cleared it out saying, this is my father's house, which by implication makes him who? Who is he declaring himself to be? The son of God. That is who he's declaring himself to be. 
And he's teaching on the return, on the end of days, of what will happen when the Son of Man returns with angels in glory, will judge the earth. Jesus is God. He is the Son of God, come to save the Messiah. And he's been declaring that these last few days. And what else does the text tell us about why a big event, a, there's some kind of big event that's coming in Jerusalem. What is that big event? Passover and another one. The Feast of Unleavened Bread. Those were central in the identity of Israel. The Passover, of course, is a time when they remembered when they were enslaved in Egypt. And God sent the angel of death to take the firstborn of every person in the Egyptian uh, area. But he warned his people to say that a sacrifice must be made. So put some lamb's blood on the mantle of your doorposts and the angel of death will pass over your home. And that was the last of the ten plagues where Pharaoh finally let the Israelites go. It was the night of freedom in Egypt. And of course, that didn't mean they immediately just walked into prosperity and glory, but they had to journey through the desert, and the Feast of Unleavened Bread remembered that journey of how they had to go for 30 days without any yeast in their cooking until God started to provide manna. When you put all of those things together, when you put together the fact that they were in the home of Simon the leper who was saying, this man has healed me of my leprosy, when you put that together with who Jesus is clearly declare, declaring who he is, when you put that together with the fact that there's the impending highest religious celebrations in the life of Israel. I think this woman knew exactly who Jesus was. So what would you do if you were in the presence of God? In the presence of the one who you knew was going to die for your sins. Take your punishment, your judgment, and offer you grace and eternal life. I think you're right. This isn't just sacrificial love. It is a pouring out of her life in response to what Jesus was going to do. And isn't it true that the more you love someone, the more you sacrifice for them? I think Jesus even tells us that when he says in verse 6, Leave her alone, said Jesus. This isn't a waste, in other words. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want. But you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. 
Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. The more you love someone, the more you understand how important they are, the more you want to give, the more you want to sacrifice, the more you want to pour out on their behalf. And isn't that the only appropriate response to Jesus? As the Son of God, isn't that the only appropriate response? Not everyone agreed with that. That's true today, that was true then. Because go all the way back to verse 1. It says that the Passover and the, festo the festival of unleavened bread were only two days away. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or the people will riot. And then jump down to verse 10. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests who betrayed Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. The Jewish leaders wanted to kill the Son of God. Judas wanted to betray him. Why? Because they felt and believed that he could not be the Son of God of God. What this woman did was an absolute waste, and if Jesus is encouraging that, then he doesn't want to improve our society, then he doesn't want to improve our culture, he's got some kind of different kingdom in mind, he has to be gone. Do you know there's only two ways that people can respond to who Jesus is? Perhaps you've heard the, um, uh, the C.S. Lewis mere Christianity quote, where you Either believe that Jesus is a liar, a lunatic, or he is Lord. There is no other option. Um, let's consider those three statements. Jesus claimed to be God, correct? He said that he was the Messiah. And his claim is either one of two things. It's true or it's false. If it is true, then of course... He is God. But if it is not true, then either he said that he was God knowing it was false, which makes him a liar, or he said it not knowing that it was false, in which case he's nuts. He is a lunatic. Therefore, we are left with three logical options. He is either God or a liar or a lunatic. For those who think, you know, Jesus wasn't that bad. He was a really good moral teacher. That is simply a stretch of the liar and the lunatic position. Because to say that Jesus was a liar seems a stretch for most people because he was such a great moral teacher. If you believe that he's a great moral teacher, he would not by definition lie. And certainly not tell a lie of such a magnitude to claim to be God when he wasn't, right? And to say Jesus is a lunatic is also a stretch, since his teaching seems to be the quintessence of sanity. 
And of course, a great moral teacher, again, is by definition a sane person. He's not a madman. So, if he is not a liar and he is not a lunatic, what are you left with? That he is Lord. And there is only two ways that you can respond to the truth that Jesus is Lord, that He is the Son of God. There are only two ways that you can respond to Jesus and His sacrificial death for you. You will either respond with gratitude, no matter the cost, or you will respond with disgust at His claim. If you've ever been driving, especially outside of the city, and you're driving in the country, you will come across some T intersections, where all of a sudden the road that you are on will end, and you will need to go to the left or to the right. And the same is true with Jesus. When you encounter the truth and the reality that He is the Son of God, when you encounter the truth and the reality, you have come to a T intersection in your life, will you go to the left or will you go to the right? If he is Lord, will you respond with a show of gratitude for the rest of your life, no matter the cost? Or will you drive off in disgust? How dare he try to claim that he is Lord when I could be Lord and you? We'll try, just like Judas, to make that work for you. So my question is, for all of us, Christian or non-Christian, what will you do with Jesus today? Will you love him or hate him? Is he your best friend or worst foe? Will you pour out your life for him, or will you sell out your Messiah? There are only two options. You will either pour out the perfume of your life, or you will sell him out for a profit. And while you think about that, just consider what is the greater waste? What will you do? Let me pray for you. Lord, just in this moment, we ask for your Holy Spirit to speak, to guide, and to shape our hearts, to shape our very souls. Because this question of whether we believe Jesus is Lord Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the sacrifice that we need to save us from our sins. Jesus is our Savior, is the defining question of our lives. And we can either respond by pouring out our lives to you, or we can respond with disgust and walk away. Would you help us to realize what the greater waste would be? Would you help us to realize that you are who you say you are? And anything and everything we can give from our lives, not just financially, but our time and our talents, to pour those out to you. 
will never be wasted in your hands. Lord, would you help us? For those who need to take that first step of faith to put their trust in Jesus, I pray that you would help them to do just that. And for those who have been followers of Jesus for just a short time or a long time, I pray, Lord, that you would give us a renewed sense of gratitude that willingly pours out our lives because we know who you are and what you have done. We pray this in Jesus' name.